Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper podcast. My name is Mo campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and we're back. It's a new year, man. We're back. 2022. We took took most of December off uh, from podcast. Yeah, I was going to say we didn't take it off. We were just not from from, uh, church work, Um, but from the podcast. We just gave it a breather, and uh, but we're coming back uh, today. Full force, ready to roll, because we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like we've uh, we've like storing up like for the for the new year. Yeah, there's a lot happening in the world. There's always a lot happening in the world, um, but we had a really great Christmas break and New Year's, and some vacationing happened, and uh, and then the first Sunday in January, um, I spoke. You were out of town on vacation. And then this past Sunday you spoke as we dove back into what's true about you, Romans chapter nine. And, um, we're, we're off to the races in, in what we hope will be completing uh, our sermon series. Yeah. Right. Before I wonder, Easter. If, I wonder if Paul, when he was writing Romans, thought, I'll have this done by spring. And then like he's in prison for like his third year at finishing, uh, finishing Romans. There's a, there's a, there's a lot in yeah. there. Um, and so we will, Continue to talk about that. Continue to push through our Romans series. So much um, good theological um, topics and knowledge and insight to be gained. Today's going to be a little different. We want to kind of set the frame for uh, 2022. Yeah. This podcast and why we are still talking about current events, why we meld together things that are happening in the world and in our country, in our community, with the word. Um, so we're yeah. going to kind of set the frame a little bit on that. Yeah, when we were looking at even this week, and uh, you know, I was thinking about what we, what, how to even start this year. And, and I don't know about you, Mo, but I know that in the last year I've heard from a, f- a few people, different settings, you know, uh, different versions of something along the lines of, yeah, I really want my pastor to just talk about the Bible. I really don't want you to talk about this or, um, or or more extreme versions, which is they shouldn't. You guys shouldn't talk about uh, this stuff. Um, and I, I wanted to start out this year saying, and we're going to do five of these things, just five reasons. And by the way, we could go a lot more, but five reasons why uh, we do talk about these things. Why. I think we ought to talk about these things and why maybe if not every pastor does that we sure shouldn't be shamed for it on 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 our side for what God has called us to do uh, because there's very much a biblical lens that we do this. We're not, uh, someone uh, mentioned, uh, you guys just do this because it's the current events. You just guys want people to listen to you. And I'm like, man, I, I tell you what, if that was it, um, there's probably a whole lot better things we could be doing. I'd be doing a sports podcast, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> and <laughs> right? you and I doing a sports podcast would be hilarious, That'd be actually. Very entertaining, actually. Very entertaining as I over here Googling stuff. <laughs> but, but yeah, that you know, there's there's a reason why we're doing this and it's not just, you know, for entertainment purposes. Like there's 
there's real challenges out there, real live uh, enemies of the gospel that we ought to be prepared for. And so, I, you know, for our time today, you know, there's five things that we think, uh, five reasons, five bases for why we do this stuff. Five, um, straight from the Bible, by the way, we're not just, again, not just making stuff up, but five things that we, at least for today, we'll talk about. I just want you to know that, um, and maybe I should say this too, if your pastor and you're listening to this, you're another church, whatever, and your pastor isn't talking about these things, um, it's not a shameful thing for, for them. Not, not, I don't think everybody's called to do that. That's totally, uh, you know, just not the way that, it, you know, it is. Um, now, I will say that if, if your pastor is uh, adamantly shaming you into things like you should wear a mask, you should be vaccinated, should be, you might want to sit down and have a coffee over, over that. Um, for sure, probably want to do that. But in the uh, same in the same way that they, we would not condone the idea of they should say things like that in regards to you should tithe, you should yeah, be here yeah. every time the doors are open, you should be volunteering, like that language, not only within the church but with outside the church. Yeah, should is shaming language. Yeah, and you know. If 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 you're in a world where you are taking a should on everybody around you or someone you know you're getting a should taken on you every Sunday like that's not the gospel. Uh, should is uh, a word that whether or not people mean it or not, it's like it, it, another way of putting it is if you're not doing this, you're an idiot. If you're not doing this, you're you're sin you're a sinner or whatever. And uh, we just don't that. we don't like that language. We don't think that, that the gospel is that. We think that well, we don't think so. We know so that we, Christ, when he went to the cross, you know, he despised the shame. Hebrews eleven tells us, uh, Hebrews ten actually, uh, and that's uh, because the shame is toxic shame, especially is a weapon of it, the enemy, not a uh, a freedom from the gospel. Over the past few weeks, again heading into a new year. I, I've been sitting in um, Ephesians 5 and 6, and um, this particular passage in Ephesians 5 is kind of where I've parked my car for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that much of what's been happening in the world um, hasn't really relented over the past couple of years, it's it's the opposite of relent. Oh, man. Um, it's just come full force. It's um, increased. It's gotten harder, put simply. Um, more complicated and more chaos. Ephesians 5, 11 through 16 is, is the passage. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, and he's giving them some warnings and some reminders. And it says this, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in the secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, and he's referencing Old Testament here, I think it's Psalm 44, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hmm. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And it's as, it's as if you've just wrote that. 
right? It turns out the word of God actually is timeless, right? Like <laughs> a couple thousand years later, it yeah. could, that passage could not be more applicable and practical for how we view the world and how we respond today. Yeah. You know, the reason why, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the reason why the Word of God is relevant then and relevant now doesn't change is because human nature doesn't change. Correct. Right. This idea that we are, quote unquote, evolving as humans uh, is why a lot of progressives especially say, well, that's the best they understood back then, you know, with the Bible. But now we know more. Uh, now we're better. Is is a demonstrably false idea that humans are better. Um, what I loved about you focusing on this uh, when you spoke in early January is that there's a lot of invisible going on out in the world. Um, you, you use the line, uh, if we can see what's invisible, we are invincible. Am I getting that right? Or am I butchering that? It was pretty close. Yeah, see the, invis- see the invisible so that we can live invincible. Got it. There you go. See, that's pretty good. I should write that down. Um, but what was interesting to me was then as a pastor, okay, as a, as a shepherd, this is to a church in Ephesus written by Paul, who was like they founded this church, their, their apostle, their pastor. And in Acts 20, he actually... Uh, verses 17 all the way through 32, he is, he's had the, the, the people, the pastors, the elders from Ephesus brought to him and they were talking, he's like, hey, this is your job. Do this. And he says in verse um, 25, 26, 27, uh, let's say 28, keep over, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort, listen, distort the truth, right? To draw disciples away after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. It was from his heart. The job of a pastor, right? For, for, For all the different callings and different giftings that pastors have and different ways that it would play out, guarding, protecting, waking up. Um, it's like Paul is telling them what to do in, in this Acts uh, verse, the verses in Acts. But Ephesians 4, we actually are seeing him, or Ephesians 5, we're actually seeing Paul do that. Like he's actually, this is what he is telling them to do. He is by an example. And when I think of the reasons why that as a pastor, pastors, as elders of Conduit Church, that it is not an interruption of our work to talk about this stuff. It is our work, is like right there in front of us. And number one is really simple. Pastors are shepherds. We're protectors of it. Uh, I had a farmette uh, for a, a while. A farmette. A farmette. Um, <laughs> did you know that? I think that's not a word, actually, more I think about that. That's a good, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good descriptor yeah. of the the farm you you did have but we you know we had to we had sheep man and, uh and we had to protect them from it and it was not easy because there was any number of you know whether it was sickness or, or coyotes or just their own stupidity getting caught in barbed wire fence like what did how did you think that was going to end you know right. and the answer was they weren't thinking um but in ephesians 5 verse 15 be very careful then how you live not as unwise but but as wise um, that's protecting our our, uh, our our sheep, so to speak, is very much a, hey, live as wise, not unwise people. Uh, the, the truth, like the, the, protecting them is 
important. And, and so like not only can pastors speak into what's happening when policies like this are out there that are harmful, like it's a privilege to get to do this. It's, it's not, again, it's not an interruption of our work. It is uh, our work. And a good example of this, um, in fact, someone, I doubt anybody listening to our podcast would say this because uh, they'd be long gone by now about <laughs> listening to us. But but there are those who were saying that, Darren, you know, you guys, why are you not requiring masks to walk into your church on a Sunday? We we came back in June of 2020 and we did not require masks. Uh, we didn't tell you you couldn't. We didn't tell you you should. We just, you know, you're grownups. You guys make decisions. But the reason was back then by then by then we knew you know do you remember the the there was a, a meme that floated around and this was the quote-unquote science to teach you why you should wear a mask I, and i only bring this up because i someone just said this to me about a month ago i'm like do you still believe that and it was the med, the the meme was uh if i'm peeing on you right and i don't have a pair of pants on then the pee goes right on you do you remember this oh yeah yeah and so the meme was if you wear a pair of pants and i wear a pair of pants then if I pee, uh, then it won't quite, you know. So this is like science, the meme of that, except that microbiology, uh, the holes in your mask are so infinitely massive compared to the microbiology of the virus that it's, it's not, the metaphor isn't, you know, peeing on you. The metaphor is throwing marbles at a building in New York with scaffolding around it. You're going to hit some scaffolding, but the vast majority are going through. And so we knew that in June. And I'm not saying we, like you and I, like we're some brilliant people. We, meaning microbiologists and virologists from uh, MIT and uh, Stanford and, and Princeton and Yale. This wasn't like a controversial idea. Dr. Fauci in February said, March, don't go around in a pandemic wearing a mask because he actually does understand microbiology. So to me, to protect the flock, if I'm telling our senior citizens, wear a cloth mask because it's going to keep you safe, knowing that that is false, that isn't protecting him. That's endangering our flock. Uh, and, and by the way, so that, but you know, just saying that out loud or tweeting that a year ago could have gotten us completely wiped off of social media networks. And it did. And I mean, just this last month, Dr. Wen, who, um, God bless her husband if she's married. Uh, I can't imagine it's like being married to a scratch on a chalkboard. Just relentless. Just relentless. She's an emergency physician. She's one of the CNN talking heads. Uh, we need to be wearing this is her, we need to be wearing at least a three ply surgical mask. You can wear a cloth mask on top of that, but do not wear just a cloth mask alone. When told CNN in December, and why is that? Because they don't work. So 18 months later. Yes. And by the way, that's not brand new information. So for us to protect the flock of God to, by putting them in a mask and telling them that they're safe, that's, uh, uh, to me, that's unconscionable. Especially children. Especially children. Yeah. There's, you know, every month that passes, there's more and more data and research, right? Um, we're 20. Four months in, believe it or not, um, 24 months. So we have two years of, of data and research. And so, I mean, there's just reports pouring out now um, about um, behavioral um, deficiencies in children. Yes. From being forced to wear masks um, in, in school, in elementary schools. Um, that's the kind of 
stuff that we're talking about that um, we were we were not going to push that narrative um, based upon just research and and actual science and and to me that was protecting mm-hmm. our seniors by not lying to them and it's protecting our children by not harming them emotionally uh physically right some of them couldn't wear masks um it it, if you remember that was part of the language we want to fight for an hour of of normal and if you remember when we when they shut down the schools and everybody had to go remote we actually opened up our family room fellowship hall whatever you call it you know for like a speakeasy school because we just want these kids to have some kind of an hour of normal some kind of normalcy in their lives and to me, that was protecting it. So, yes. so not speaking about that not um, is was irresponsible to to me to, uh, to to force a child into a mask for a disease that is of zero risk to them. Uh, to ask our children to to sacrifice for our seniors, uh, I don't remember any time in history when that's ever happened, and I sure as heck don't see that in any sort of scripture that we should ask our children to sacrifice. Uh, so that the, their grandparents are going to be okay. We, of course, we want to live in sacrifice, you know. Uh, but but the point is, is that, that when we were putting them in a position like that, that's not helping. That's harming children, and we want to protect them. And as shepherds, protecting them with the truth, uh, living wise as not unwise. Um, the the Henry Cloud definition of the wise and the fool comes to mind. That, um, and this is a. I think something we've seen a lot of. He says that the the definition of a, of a wise person is someone who hears the truth and adapts their life to the truth. The definition of a fool is someone who hears the truth and adapts the truth to try to fit their life. And that's why you have some really, really, really smart fools. Um, Dr. Fauci is not stupid, but he's a fool yeah. because he's using truth and he's adapting truth to what... And he's, by the way, said that out loud multiple times. Like, well... I said that about masks because, you know, we didn't want you to go buy masks, so I lied to you, so I adapted the truth to fit my life. And he would later say that about uh, the, 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 the herd immunity number, that we needed uh, 50% is what he said for the vaccine, and then we could get herd immunity. And, and then later he said, nah, it's more like 85 95%, but I, didn't, I couldn't tell you that then because you couldn't handle it. So again, lied to us. Um, that's a definition of a fool. I took the truth and adapted it. And so us as a shepherd protecting our sheep uh, against harm, and then to go further, the harm that was brought on our brothers and sisters in developing nations is utterly unconscionable. Um, if, if history, if we have enough history uh, to look back on this time, uh, I hope that the voice that is the one that is the loudest and the clearest was how wealthy, privileged, elite people put in place policies that killed children in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, because that is exactly what happened. Um, the, 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 the privileged people are the, are the ones that, that could afford to stay home while everyone else had to go out and do their work for them in America, but the right. privileged people of the WHO and of uh, the CDC and uh, our, our medical professionals were, were putting in place policies that I mean, I was in Mexico last week. I don't know if you, uh, if I should say this out loud, but I was on vacation in Mexico. My wife turned, you know, a, a certain age. We celebrate it. And every single employee of this resort that we were at. Now, these are people that are wonderful people. 
and they're going home to homes that are, if you've ever vacationed the Dominican, whatever, you think, oh, this is just this glorious place. I dare you to drive a mile inland, not even a mile. And you'll see that the people that you are, that are massaging your feet, um, live in little huts and little villages. And they, a lot of them actually drive for an hour on a bus and stay there all week and they go back to their children. These people who work there are literally in a mask. They're in, uh, eye protective wear. Um, really? They, they look, dude, they were like wash. Like I get there and like, Oh, we're going to disinfect your bags for you. Uh, so that you're like, what you're doing? What? Uh, but it was so that we would feel safer Mm. and they're the ones suffering. We went out snorkeling on an ocean and, uh, I say we meaning me and my wife was not feeling that, uh, the two guys that were, that took me out, they had to wear a mask, a face, not a face mask underwater to keep the salt out of their eyes, required by law to wear a mask while sitting on the boat with me and two other guys, like in the open sea. There, there's no science behind any of this. No. That's harmful to them. This, no. it's not, and it's not fair to them because, they, and what are they going to do? Like you and I, I go into a grocery store. I'm not wearing a mask anymore. I, I, the moment then Dr. Fauci said that it's not, that these things don't work and you got to wear an N95, whatever. And like, I stopped. I'm like, okay, that was my jumping off point. But I can't get fired for that. I can't, you know, I can get shamed or someone throw me on the YouTube or Twitter or whatever, but these guys lose their jobs. Right. If they, if they do this, how harmful is that to them? So for us to speak out against that is in, in not only in favor of us, but it's in favor of our senior citizens, of our children, of the poorest of the poor, to speak on their behalf. Uh, how dare we not speak on that? Amen. And um, I just want to let it be said, anything Dr. Fauci is pushing or promoting needs to be questioned. We are uh, He is under extreme scrutiny this week again. Um, I would encourage you to go research anything uh, that's come out from Project Veritas in the past week. Just Google or YouTube. You probably can't find it on Google. They're probably taking it down. YouTube Project Veritas um, and uh, the 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 emails, the insight that Fauci has had from the very yeah. beginning of this is starting to come to light. We talked about in Ephesians those things that come to light start to expose, yeah. be exposed. Well, this you, this is a really great segue actually into the second one, which is the pastors are watchmen. Mm-hmm. Verse fourteen. This is why it said, "Wake up, sleeper! Rise from the dead! Christ will shine on you!" Like, wake up, watchmen! Like what you just said out loud. The vast majority of people don't know because who's got the time for that yeah yeah well i mean thankfully i'm i'm honored and it's a privilege to be able to have time based upon our profession to research and read a lot um and one of the things that we're obviously studying right now is all the things that are happening in our world because it does it it intersects with our church family between podcasts from this podcast recording into the next podcast recording in a week from now we will both of us will encounter multiple people multiple families multiple husbands wives moms and dads with questions with things that they're dealing with decisions that they need to make for themselves or for their children or for their employment um like the vice is being cranked Yes. Every single day, a little bit more, a little bit harder of decisions that are needed to be made. And they're coming to the church and asking for advice, for counsel, for answers to these really hard questions. And so that's why we believe that we should, we should be watchmen uh, to help give clarity to chaos. I think that's part of, um, that's part of our job. Yeah. And 
and it, 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 it is a blessing and an honor that we actually have the time. And let me, re- back, let me rephrase the way I'm wording that. We make the time. I might say that because if you're a pastor, That's uh, true. you need to make time for, for this. It, it's, not, uh, it's not something that is going to be in front of you all the time, but you need to make time to, to do this. And a watchman simply, like you said, you're up higher, you can see. Um, and and you, some ways I'm asking you to have to take my word for this, but this was never about being right or wrong. It was about the truth. If we, a year and a half ago, started looking and saying, okay, the YMCA, you kept their children's, um, the children's the daycare was open the entire three to four months of February, March, April, May. If they had kept that open, which they did, and they had had huge outbreaks of COVID and those things, you and I would have made entirely different decisions yes. when it, because that was what was true. Right. But what we saw was in Europe and most European countries, they kept their child care open. In the USA, we kept their child care open. They weren't wearing masks. They weren't putting them anywhere. If That was the truth. And so we made decisions based on truth. And it was a privilege and an honor to make time to learn uh, what the truth was. And if you don't know that and you're like, so if your job is uh, teaching whatever at a high school, you're, you know, you're there eight hours a day or right. probably more. You're grading papers. You're just trying to figure out how to do. T- you know, now you're trying to figure out how to do last year. I got to teach online and in school and I got to figure out what these kids. You don't have time to do the deep dive to do the deep dive. So that's not a shameful thing for that. It's it's part of the hey. This is the watchman of God. That you are a watchman as a pastor. This is part of our job. It's not an interruption of our work. It is our work. Seek the truth. Share the truth. It's pretty simple. Uh, and so again, a CEO of a company, uh, even homeschool moms. Like for the most part, there's just not a lot of time for this stuff. So it is our job to look at that and say this is important stuff for us to know. So and you've done that this week. You you. you most great at this, you'll send me links and stuff that, I, that I've not seen, and uh, I tend to not do that to you because I'm too, too busy trying to keep up with uh, the amount of information that's coming out of your, <laughs> out of your camp. But uh, what we've seen in the last week, you know, D- Dr. Uh, Anthony Fauci, which has been dubbed the, you know, the high priest of, of Corona, uh, the Pope, uh, for the most part, we've we've had questions all along, but you've seen like this specifically yeah. this week. There's some really big questions just coming. Don't out. believe a word he says. To be honest, uh, yeah. So just research on your own. Maybe you know. I don't know if we can make a quick sheet for this kind of stuff, but um, just research Project Veritas, research Eco Health Alliance, um, and the fact of the matter is, Fauci has lied to Congress, and he is painted himself into a corner and the Congress is calling him out on it based on evidence that's surfacing about his gain of function, gain of function experiments through his organizations um, that have led to this virus leak. Um, This has been two and a half years in the making and um, yeah, they're holding his feet to the fire. So there's a lot of fast information coming out this week about that. And so, just a heads up. And I would say, so So it's interesting because I'm, I'm grateful for many reasons for you in my life, uh, speaking specifically of Mo, because um, you've got your, your ear to the ground on, on what's happening right now. And, you know, I hope that some of what I bring to the table is, uh, is also the lens of history with it. Yeah. Because I've been, look, I'm just dumb enough and I'm just a news junkie enough to have remembered 
that it was Dr. Anthony Fauci in the late 80s saying uh, children should stay away from people who have AIDS because it could spread. This is the same guy that says wear a mask and you know get vaccinated. Um, said out loud and vehemently that children could get AIDS from contact with other physical contact with other people, touching other people. And that wasn't just like for a week. That was a long period of time. And if you watch even a movie uh, and the band played on um, about that era, whatever, like, he was not a hero in that era. Un, uh, <laughs> unlike George H.W. Bush when asked in a debate who his hero, do you know this? Who his, no. this, is a, this will give you chills. And here's why it give you chills, because you were someone that was talking about how uh, some of our leaders, either side of the fence, whatever, and I was trying to make a case how much I love W. And, and you're like, yeah, but his father, man, head of the CIA. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was, I mean, literally. But you, there's a video out of him uh, in a debate. Who's your hero? And this debate was the question. And his is a little-known man named Ooh. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Oh, wow. In 1988 was his hero. Because of his work, quote-unquote. Yes. On the AIDS. Words, yeah, work and AIDS, telling children that you're, you can get AIDS by being around somebody who has AIDS. And then, fast forward, and this, I could, by the way, go on a while on this. Uh, so I'm only going to do one other one, but in the mid 2000s, um, peanut allergies were uh, were decided to be public enemy number one, and so the global health community said the way that we avoid this is no children under the age of three years old should have any exposure to peanuts at all. This was global, and the result of that was peanut allergies went through the roof. Oh, interesting. Thousands of children died. Millions of people contracted peanut allergies that didn't have it. And this is not, I'm just pulling something out of my butt. You could, you could literally find the, this, uh, the 60 Minutes interview with Dr. Fauci. And the reason I bring it up is, again, the global community said this, and but by the time the global community figured it out, they changed the rules. So Israel, Europe, whatever. And uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci was the last one to the party almost two years later before he finally acquiesced, which is, I think, 2015, maybe, something like that, wow. saying, uh, don't, uh, that, that's a terrible strategy to not expose your children to peanuts before three years old. And they're asking him, well, are you late? You know, how many children you know, died? And, and it's literally like it's the same playbook he's got with Rand Paul. He avoids, he diverts, he doesn't answer, he's, you know, he's got an excuse for it. Technicalities. Yeah. yeah. Millions of children got peanut allergies unnecessarily. Thousands died. We will never know how many. Because of a policy and because this little sawed off, arrogant, um, sorry, back it down, uh, <laughs> guy was saying, doubling down on a policy that everybody clearly knew. Yeah. And so when I have some opinions about him, it's not like I'm not basing this on nothing. Right. This is not a right wing versus left wing. This is a truth versus a lie. And what, what I'm intrigued by is I've wondered over the, okay, uh, was he wrong? Or did he lie? So like when Colin Powell said the weapons of mass destruction, or, right. so he lied, he lied, he lied. But did he lie or was he just wrong? Because those are two, the, the results are the same, but yeah. the, the intent is different. Yeah. And so I've, I've thought that with Fauci. Was he wrong or did he lie? And I'm looking at it now going, yeah. okay, and just I could, without even having to do any thinking, could give you at least four instances in the last 18 months where he not only lied, he admitted he lied and said he did it for our best interests. Yeah, every day that passes is proving that he's a bit of a law. Compulsive liar, yeah. and uh, and it's amazing when you're doing something in the name of what you think is best, and you know your morals or whatever, you'll justify and ends justifies the means of progressive, and he has certainly done that. So I, I do not have a whole lot of patience or tolerance uh, for that. But when I you know wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, 
um, there's a there are more and more people now that are waking up, um, and we ought not to shame them. We ought not to because there's room for that. It's just sometimes if you're working your job and you just assume that this is everybody had their best interests in mind. Um, that's not that's not a bad character trait. You're not a bad person because that's what you did. Um, but as you're waking up, know that hey, we're not shaming you for that. Wake up, join the club. Um, these treatments that are readily available for COVID-19 that have been actively suppressed. If you're waking up to that, um, wake up and and join the you know <laughs> join the reality. But there's no shame, and like you don't have to look back and think, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I can't say anything because they're going to make fun of me. And, and by the way, can I say that to those of us that have been awake for a while, don't shame people that are waking up. Absolutely. Don't, don't tweet shame them. Don't, you know, leave room for that because shame is uh, on either side of a, of a conversation is always one side, which is evil. And so we ought not to use shame, which is that we know that because the third thing is the pastors are truth tellers and doctrine, the word of God, right? Uh, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And in this world where we are right now, light, the word of God, even knowing that shame is a bad thing, that shame is never uh, a good thing, we know that because of the word. Uh, we know that because of um, Hebrews, I said Hebrews 10 or 11 earlier, it's actually Hebrews 12, verse 2, before the, 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 uh, the suffering set before him, whatever the joy, it was, uh, he, he despised the shame uh, with it. And so uh, we are, part of that is us illuminating light. Uh, bringing truth. Some of the truth that's come out um, recently is an updated number on the case fatality rate for COVID. Um, Omicron has pushed that number down significantly. So case fatality rate, meaning um, the amount of fatalities per cases. And uh, we are at 1.39% case fatality rate, which is the lowest it's been the entire pandemic. Which, another, in other words, that's a 98.6 survival rate, okay, for COVID. Of the 90, uh, I'm sorry, of the 1.39% that have passed, um, only 6% of those deaths were from COVID only. That's the new number. Wow. On the CDC website, I double-checked it this morning. Wow. So, and, and interestingly, again, not necessarily brand new information. It's just brand new that the CDC is publishing it, right? Correct. Absolutely. Um, and it's deep. <laughs> it's a deep link. <laughs> it's not like on the front page, <laughs> like a little of, flashing thing on the front. Yeah, page. like sign it, up now. No, it's it's so so one so essentially one point four percent of those that. Um, contract COVID in the United States will pass. Yeah. So that's a, and, that's a 90, almost a 99% survival rate. And I would say, I know you would too, right? It's very important that we say it. It's not that those deaths aren't tragic. They're not s- at all. sad. Like I, some people that I know that have died that I loved dearly, you know, in, in their eighties, for instance, yes. um, I didn't want them to die. Um, but when you see that, what, what, what is infuriating to me, is we know who is at risk. Yes. And we know what is uh, ways to protect them. Yes. There's, There's been no conversation right. about uh, treatments, early yeah. onset treatments, pre-treatments, yeah. diet, anything. 
So in the early days of the AIDS epidemic, um, it was known that where it started was San Francisco, Philadelphia, cities, major metropolitan areas, inside of homosexual communities. And there could have been lives saved had they have told the, the truth about that. They were afraid that it would cause them to be discriminated against, right? They were afraid that if we tell the truth that it will harm uh, homosexual males specifically. And obviously we know that it spread beyond that community. We, we know all that thing, so I'm not, I'm not naive. But in those early days, lives could have been saved if they would have just told the truth yeah. uh, instead of hiding it, instead of saying that children could be uh, infected by being around somebody and actually focusing on, hey, let's help these, uh, f- these people, these wonderful humans here, let's help them be safe in this environment. And, and the same thing is happening right now. It's been 18 to 19 months, okay? And one of the things that they knew, I mean almost out of the gate, was the idea that the amount of people that were infected, and I've, there's a reason why now. You can listen to the Dark Horse podcast with Brett Weinstein and, and learn that there's a reason why people who are overweight are more, it's in the fat cells stuff that affects it. Imagine if we would have talked about that and spent 18 months saying, hey, get healthy. Get, you know, get your crap together. You know, I've, I've been working on it. I'm out there walking. I'm taking vitamin D. I'm... I'm one of I'm I'm a fellow fat guy. Like I'm you know, I'm working on this stuff with you. Um, it's so it's not a shaming thing to tell someone how to be safe. Yeah, and there's been zero discussion about that with public policy. Zero. Yeah. None. Um, and just to back up real quick, Dark Horse Podcast would encourage you if you're a podcaster um, to bookmark this. Yes. It's uh, these are um, these are as a husband and wife, Heather Hying and Brett Weinstein, um, who are evolutionary biologists right not christians not christians at all and they've had about enough of what's happening (laughs) um with all of this and they just they bring a very secular perspective to the conversation so it's definitely worth tuning into um and i'll tell you this is one you can listen to on like the 1.7 speed uh, because their voices almost sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit making fun of an NPR radio show. Oh, really? Yeah. Like Heather's voice especially. Yeah, I can she, see that. She speaks very, very closely like she's on an NPR radio. Uh, my kids actually refer to my own NPR voice, so I say that with a certain amount of shame. But, um, yeah, they. Uh, I, I remember listening to him in June of 2020 say, this vaccine is not a vaccine. This is a, a new technology. Gene therapy. Gene therapy. And it is targeting one specific protein. And as an evolutionary biologist, he was sounding the alarm as much as you can from a Portland bonus room because they're out of Portland. That'll tell you how liberal they are. They live in freaking Portland. Yeah. Um, that because it's only one protein that it's uh, it's it's it'll be so much easier for this vaccine uh, or for the virus to mutate because the vaccine is is only going to shut down one gate, and so all they got to do is learn its way through that gate. And parenthetically, that's what uh, the WHO just today, Alex Berenson's uh, daily email, talked about that uh, this fourth booster, uh, we're done here because it's yeah. not working. Yeah, so um, so the WHO has officially announced, um, <laughs> it, it's kind of, you know, it's all about semantics, right? Um, but they have officially said in a statement yesterday that I'll just read it a vaccination strategy based on repeated booster doses of the original vaccine composition is unlikely to be appropriate or sustainable. In other words, they are now backtracking the idea um, and mandate for that matter of boosters. Like they're not working 
And the, the, the only problem with this is what they are saying later in this, in this release is that they're going to, it's not that vaccinations in this regard will go away. They just want a more specific vaccination. So yeah. in other words, if you had the original COVID-19 shot, um, that, that seemed to have an effect on a certain age group, right? Um, it, it brought down, uh, it brought down the severity or the, the violence of the virus within a certain age group documented. It helped. Now, that starts mutating into Delta, less and less efficacy. Omicron doesn't do a darn thing. And so what they're saying is, yeah, these boosters, they're, they're not working. Um, but what we want to see is a Delta-specific vaccination. Yeah. A Omicron-specific vaccination. Right. And whatever the next iteration of this can be or will be, you would get a shot specifically for that which uh, evolves immediately, like you said, into like a flu thing where it's like, okay, we're just going to guess which strain it is this year. Yeah, and which folks that may not know, when you go to get your flu shot, um, which in transparency, I have never had a flu shot. <laughs> I trust my immune system. Thankfully, I'm grateful to be I'm a healthy 42-year-old, active. I'm so grateful for... Uh, for genetics and in good health, and I try to maintain that. So I, I, I've done the risk assessment, and for me, I, I trust my immune system in this regard. But the flu shot that is distributed or is made available, they are truly guessing which strain it is. It's a flip of a coin. They, they literally, I mean, you, you, we're not making this stuff up. You can go research yeah. it. They, they are guessing what the prominent strain will be for a season, Put that into a vaccination that is then distributed through Walgreens, CVS, or wherever you get your flu shot. That's kind of where this is trending for yeah. COVID over time because that's how viruses work. And illuminating light, light just means bringing you know, clarity into darkness, is part of a pastor's job. You know, and of course, of course, it's the word of God. Of course, it's doctrine. Of course, it's those things. And yet this year... We have been told, uh, and I, I was, you know, I've, I've been paying attention, and I was, uh, I kept hearing from my friends in the medical community that the only people dying of uh, of COVID right now are unvaccinated people, um, which was true in August, even a little into September, and it was true because a the Delta strain was way wicked but also true because people were only three months in on their vaccines. And now that's not true for two reasons. One, they're saying it's because Omicron is less whatever. Uh, but the other is that uh, the, the, the number is going up because the, uh, <laughs> the vaccines are wearing off. There's an efficacy that lasts a certain amount of time. And right and, now that certain amount of time is four to six months. Exactly. Max. And uh, a, a large portion of people, I was just reading other, uh, yesterday or Galley's probably last week now that I think about it, you know, the number of people that even got their third booster in the United States is like a minimal uh, percentage. And it's because most people were like, well, then I, I, I was lied to. I didn't, this doesn't work. Like, what are we doing here again? And it, it's not, it doesn't negate that the that, that COVID Delta variant was bad. It just negates that, that this plan um we couldn't for us bringing light to it meant yeah there were people then dying from it but what what do you like what's the other option then 
we just put this on like an Amazon streaming service where we're going to get vaccinated every month and we're going to insert like mRNA technology into our bodies that has never been tested across the pop. Is that the option you want? Uh, now, for some, by the way, that's the option they want. But the, the, to make it just a binary thing about vaccine versus unvaccine, to me, was putting darkness on top of darkness. Yeah. And bringing illumination and light into it was looking at the reality that, A, uh, this is not a good path forward as, as far as I'm concerned, and especially mandating it. And second, why in the world are we not focusing on treatments for this? Right. Why? Uh, why would we not bring light into that? Ex- everything exposed, right? In the light becomes visible. We have to be people that are allowing light to bring into darkness. I, I actually remember um, May of 2020. I don't know if you, you probably do remember this. Uh, this actually brings me to my third one, which is courageous, or fourth one, courageous. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's evil stuff out there. I don't know why in Uttar Pradesh in India that they're handing out ivermectin like it's candy and have effectively stopped uh, COVID in its tracks. And in America, uh, we are mocked and shamed and have to order it illegally just to get it. Uh, I, I don't know why other than it just feels evil to me. Yeah. Um, and part of uh, May of 2020 when we, uh, I actually wanted to open in May because uh, by then I felt like we had enough, but I also felt the Lord say, turn our church into a house of prayer. And so we turned it into a prayer chapel and, uh, and uh, one of our, uh, I won't say her name because I haven't asked her permission, but uh, when we first reopened in March, uh, in fact, that we actually, the, the, when most churches shut down, we actually went one more Sunday. And like nobody came, it was like 200 people, but we just used it as a prayer day. And uh, this person I'm thinking of in particular was d- displeased with me, um, very angry at me. And But by May, she was starting to see some stuff. And she said these words like, Darren, just tell me what to think. Tell me. Yeah. And I know that she didn't mean it in the way that uh, – what she really said was, it's so dark, I don't understand, I don't know, but I know that you guys are doing a lot of work on this, so I'm willing to follow you. And the the idea of being courageous, which is the fourth thing, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The opportunity we had in front of us uh, was that there was a lot of darkness, and somebody had to go first. Like somebody had to give a shot. I am thankful for states like Florida. I am thankful – for companies like Ramsey Solutions who went first. Because if we all sat around and waited, we wouldn't know that uh, Florida has had uh, waves like New York has, and when it all comes out, the waves come back and forth. Their numbers are no different than New York. And people are saying right now, oh, but Florida's are worse, but New York's are rising again. And you put it, uh, you look on the last two years, and it has cycles. Every part of the country has a cycle. It goes up, it goes down, then this one goes up, and this one goes down. And Florida had its up. It's on its way down. New York is on its way up, on its way down. We wouldn't know that if we didn't have Florida. And we wouldn't know, because you would think, okay, if this was true, then uh, our church should have a demonstrably different result than, say, Christ Community Church, who, who was a little closed a little bit longer than we were. Uh, but the answer is we know. We had the exact same results, because the methods that we were being told were the only ones uh, turned out to be foolish, and it turned out to be that there were bigger things going on. So somebody had being courageous didn't mean we weren't afraid; it just meant we did it anyway. And for us as pastors, it is our job to go first. Uh, the days of uh, the president now goes to war by turning on, telling the guy to turn on a drone and go over there and do it himself. Uh, that's not how kings used to go to battle. Kings used to get on the horse and go into battle. 
and not saying we're kings, but I'm saying as shepherds, we get on the horse and we go into battle. We don't just sit back and wait until the all clear sign comes. We're the ones on the front lines of it. And so whether it was reopening, whether it was reopening without mask, whether it, it involves, uh, gosh, it involves risk. It involves getting lots of uh, angry emails. It involves all kinds of nutty stuff. And it's our job. Uh, and if you didn't think you signed up for that, I am sorry. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you thought you signed up to, my job was to just uh, preach the Bible on Sundays. Um, that is a part of your job, and it is by far a uh, small part of it. Like, it's an important part, but it is not by any means all of it. One of the ways to be courageous is to, is to push through the, um, the wave, the tsunami of fear. Yes, that yes. has been perpetrated by mass media. So not just CNN and MSNBC or Fox or any of them, all of them are complicit. Um, but your everything that's on your phone from Instagram to Facebook to TikTok to whatever you're, you're using, YouTube, um, whatever the algorithm has programmed for you and has put in front of your face, um, over the past two years, uh, the tsunami of fear that comes across your eyeballs on a daily basis um, is not on accident. And so part of being courageous is pushing through that. And one of the things that's you know, made kind of its own wave over the past two weeks, it came out of a, you know, the Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Robert Malone, which that's another bookmarked um, podcast that we would recommend checking out. Be aware of the language. It's just going to be there. If anything, Rogan, <laughs> just a heads up. Regardless. The dude can use the F word as a noun, a verb, and an adjective yeah. in the same sentence. Yeah, that's man. true. Um, one of the things that Malone brought to the to the surface is something that's kind of been circulating for a bit, but specifically he, he brought up this mass formation psychosis that's happening globally. And it has been studied and brought forth by... Um, Matthias Desmet, he's a professor of clinical psychiatry um, in Belgium, and so mass formation um, is this study that that he has put forth that kind of helps explain what we're seeing um, with this fear-ridden, fear-driven culture and society. And there's four ingredients that are involved for this, and it's the first one is the masses must feel alone and isolated. So you can check that box, right? And I'm just going to, we're going to put this in context of America, the U.S. Um, it applies to maybe Canada, North America as well. Pretty much everywhere, but it, as it pertains to this discussion here in the States. The masses must feel alone and isolated. Check that box. Two, their lives must feel pointless and meaningless, which... Um, I read a survey over the, the past month that said in 2021, one out of three adults felt hopelessness. Like one out of three said that they lacked one third, a third. It was the highest they've ever seen. So they do this annual study. I think it might've been a Gallup. They do an annual study um, at the end of the year uh, to gauge level of hope or hopelessness in, um, in America. It's the highest it's ever been. So a 30% that took the survey said that they feel hopeless. So box number two, check. 
Box number three, the masses then must experience constant free-floating anxiety. And that anxiety is coming from chaos. Like they don't know. There's so much happening. There's so much information, misinformation, disinformation, that they just don't know which way is up, don't know what to do. They're paralyzed by, by all of it, by, by the information, by the fear. So there's this free-floating anxiety. So that's the third element. And the fourth is they must experience free-floating frustration and aggression. So because of the anxiety, because of the isolation, you, you all this pent-up anger and rage towards anything and everything. When you get those four conditions together, um, there's something that happens in, in, in humanity in a large group of people that's very similar to a hypnosis. So when you hear somebody saying, are you, are you even listening to the truth or whatever? It's possible that they're not because it's very possible. Mass hypnosis. It's a mass hypnosis. Yes. And studies, I mean, this is very well researched and studied by psychologists. Um, and when they do these studies, it's shown that one out of four cannot be hypnotized in this way. So about 25% of a population, they stay, they, they, cannot be or do not fall into what's happening um which i would love to believe that the that's that's the church <laughs> well look it's the, the parable of the seed that was only one out of four soil 25 oh, percent of the good. soil that fell on that it actually grew in there you go i love that i love that you have scripture <laughs> you have jesus talking and how that manifests uh in reality wow. as well um and so you have about 25% that will not fall into hypnosis in this way. And about 10% are highly susceptible. So they're on the far end of the spectrum where they are just, they're, they're lockstep into whatever is said. <laughs> That's Twitter, basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so the, the point is, is... One, that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to talk about what I spoke about a couple of weeks ago is about see the invisible and just knowing that there is so much happening behind the scenes. There is a psychological element happening. There is a uh, there's there are military psychological operations that are being put against you. It came out in a Financial Times article this week about Sweden's new psychological operation agency that is attacking falsehoods that spread on by, online about everything COVID related. They they have militarized this is what's what's new about it is the fact that they're talking about it right they're just saying the quiet part out loud right but this has been going on in the u.s for years especially since world war ii yeah these psychological operations and so if 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 that's something you know that somebody wanted to bring up or talk to me about and we could deep dive into this probably have our own podcast about it but i've studied quite a bit about psychological operations in the united states we are for sure in the middle of one right now as it pertains to all of this and so isn't it interesting that paul when he writes to timothy his young protege paul knows he's about he himself is about to be executed uh, executed, by the way, for violating uh, government mandates. <laughs> right. Um, he tells them, uh, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Uh, in verse 7, for the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And I believe it's the King James Version that says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Right. 
like the spirit, quote unquote, spirit of fear, which is the word like pneuma, uh, error, like it's permeates the God did not give us that. And if you uh, as a pastor, if you uh, as a person wonder whether or not you are living in a spirit of fear, because uh, by the way, most people that would say, and I, I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm just being safe. I'm not afraid. I'm just trying to protect my grandma. I'm not afraid. I'm whatever. Um, <laughs> a little self-diagnosis for you here. If you're raging at anyone online, okay, whether you are raging that I don't want to wear a mask or raging that everybody should be, you know, but buttoned down and you're raging about it, that is not anger. That's fear. And you now are in the spirit of fear. So raging uh, a, a guy that I was walking by the resort in uh, Mexico, uh, the dude was about five foot nothing, uh, starts yelling at me. We are outside uh, by the ocean, and I do not have a mask on, and he he wants to go at me with it. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's called mass psychosis. Because if I'm, I literally, you could unzip me and put this guy inside of me. Okay, uh, he was a little dude, and he wants to go after me. So he that is not a spirit of confidence. That's a spirit of fear. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, God did not did not give that to us, and it is up to us to lead by example with that. And for those that uh, led in a way that we're going to shut down, uh, you guys stay home, we'll wait for to get the all clear sign. I, I believe most of those, uh, I really truly do believe that, and even those that are still doing it, are doing it out of a good heart. They're not evil people. But uh, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And these guys, uh, girls, whatever, that led that way, um, waking up with courage, uh, because doggone it, there's a world out there that needs us to get our crap together. Uh, there, there are children. Uh, I, I looked at our, our numbers uh, with, with Mo this last year, and I, I think it's 107 families that went free of slavery, but uh, the amount of revenues that came in this year, not, I'm not like, obviously, <laughs> If you've seen the way Mo and I live, like we're we're not like in poverty, but we we're not like we're in no danger of getting on preachers and sneakers. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Not a chance. Uh, so what I'm talking about the money that's come in, the money <laughs> that uh, yeah, they're not putting hokas on there, right? Um, <laughs> the the uh, the amount of people that we've been able to feed this year that were desperate and hungry and alone, the amount of slaves that we've been able to set free, the the refugees coming out of Afghanistan whose lives are completely upended. That happened because we started to lead by courage and lead. And, and that didn't mean we weren't afraid. It didn't mean we, we, that was spiritual. This meant truth, uh, meant we were going to do it. And we weren't doing it um, because we were scared of how someone was going to feel. I didn't want, you know, the people in Mexico putting masks on so I'll feel safer. What if they did what was true so that I was safer, not felt safer? So we did that and people's lives were changed and altered. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we were uh, sp specifically like Mel Gibson, like brave. It just meant we went, what is true? And that's what we're going to do. And that's what courage is. And courage is making the most. This is the opportunity we have in front of us. And what we're going to do is make the most of it. And the most of it was we're opening our doors. Uh, in this opportunity, we're going to provide healthy uh a safe environment for our children, for our seniors, and we're going to save some lives, and we're going to do it whether or not we are popular, because it's, we're going to do it because it's true. Um, which brings me actually to the last thing on our list, which is that a pastor 
right? Not just uh, about an encourager or courageous, but but an, an illuminator um, that brings clarity uh, into confusing situations. Not just light into darkness, but clarity into confusion. Uh, verse 11 of Ephesians 5, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, it's shameful to even to admit what the disobedient do in secret. And what I was really struck by in that and what part of our job is, is uh, in just the last 18 months, what we've seen, two things happening. Things that are shameful, that are now being heralded as uh, the gold standard for how we should live. Uh, It is, in my uh, opinion, and I would actually say I could whiteboard this out with some science behind it, uh, when a man dresses as a woman and then competes in a swimming event as a woman, that's shameful for that. But there's no shame being brought to that. Instead, uh, the fact this last, if you remember, I don't know how you felt when I got, uh, when I got COVID, I actually, f- it was a weird, I consciously remember, this was October 2020, I actually felt guilty. Like, like you did something wrong by... Contracting yes. the virus. And I was like, Wait, why, where'd that come from? Because you should have done better. Uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, and literally I got a head cold. It, it, for, that was my symptoms. I know it's not everybody, so it was mine. Um, but the, the, they're actually talking, like the Washington Post, like uh, Harvard are releasing studies that COVID shame is actually a thing. That, and of course the Washington Post is, and what they're really saying is, you know, they're, they're saying to all these people, bless their hearts, who got their vaccine, they got their second vaccine, they got their booster vaccine, they've been wearing masks, they've been doing all the things right, and they still got it. You know, they shouldn't feel shame for that. And by the way, I agree with them that they shouldn't. But the problem is, is the reason they feel shame for that is because it was set up as a religion, not as biology. That's right. So we were told, uh, I've been told, I've been tweeted, uh, well, what do you know about this? You're, why would you, you're not a doctor. You're not a biologist. Why would you have anything to say about any of this? Um, and the reason is, is because when you take biology and make it into morality, and what I mean by that is wear a mask, that's how you love your neighbor. Stay at home, that's how you save lives. Uh, you, you've now made, if I, if I get vaccinated, I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for you. I've literally taken a biological principle and made it a moral principle. And while a doctor might know more about how to, you know, repair a, a, a tibula that's broken, you go into morality. That is our, that's our backyard. We, we know that. And uh, making anything health-related a shameful thing, um, that's, the Bible says, nothing new under the sun. In, in the times of Jesus, someone who had leprosy, they were shamed and they were put on the outside of town. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood that came to Christ uh, she had to sneak in there and she didn't want, she didn't want even anybody to know she was there because there was shame attached to it. Religion, uh, morality attached to biology is just a, is a secular religion. And so for us, uh, bringing to, you know, to light, like we, we don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but we're exposing them and telling somebody that if you don't do this, you are killing your grandma that is a work of darkness. That is a deed of darkness. That is not a deed of the light. Um, and, and we want to, as pastors, we get to go to the scripture and say, this is, this is what God says morality is. And this is what God says is immoral and live by that and not live by what an epidemiologist who, uh, they might know everything about the human, uh, condition as far as their, their physical, but they know nothing about the human condition as far as their souls. 
It's interesting. Northwestern University uh, just put out a, an article last month about this very topic, um, calling it another layer um, COVID shame, quote unquote. COVID shame is like you're saying. It's exa- exactly what you're talking about. Like it's a, it's a new, <laughs> it's another um, uh, symptom. I don't even know what to call it. Another layer of this entire conversation is those dealing with COVID shame, and they're they're giving it a medical definition now. Right. No, and I would say not only a medical definition, they're the cause of it. Yeah. They've caused the problem. Washington Post is the cause of it. When you write uh, headlines in the Atlantic in you know May of 2010 saying that Georgia is ex- uh, experimenting in human sacrifice by their policies— uh, and by the way, that guy, Derek Thompson, I think he's the one that wrote that piece. He, he was a Derek Thompson in the Atlantic was definitely a, a Corona bro, scared, uh, terrible headlines. And he um, has written a couple of pieces lately. Uh, he's waking up uh, to, to this. And so, you know, no shame to him uh, on it. I'm glad he's waking up. But for us, like that's part of our game. Like this, look, this is shameful. If you are a, like, you, let's go for the obvious one. If you're Jeffrey Epstein on, you know, Pedo Island, that is a shameful thing that's happened. And you know what we saw this last week, right? Or I guess last month, you know, uh, Ghislaine or however you want to even say her name. You know, she's found guilty, but all these names are suddenly silenced and they're whatever because, uh, you know, they don't want to get suicided. I guess um, th- that's the stuff that's been going on in darkness. Um, and we could expand that to say there are fruitless deeds of darkness all around them, and it is our job to expose them. And exposing a uh, godless humanist uh, institution that says that uh, we have to be nothing but obedient and shut down to save lives and do, you know, uh, and it's, again, not lost on me. Jeff Bezos, uh, the, one of the richest, well, maybe not, he probably is the richest guy on the planet. Uh, you know, I've heard it said that the guy, if, if, if the person that's selling the problem is also selling the solution, you got a problem. Right. Uh, I don't know if people know or not that Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, but right. he does. <laughs> right. And so panic porn 101, stay home. Oh, and by the way, you can order all you need from Amazon.com, and then I can uh, go to space. Uh, with it. It's just kind of convenient. Uh, at the very least, but that's a that's a work of darkness, and it's our it's our gig, it's our privilege, it's our honor, it's our I would say our role to expose that stuff. We've talked about a lot today, a lot, and to be quite honest, um, we could talk about a lot more. <laughs> right? We're scratching the surface on on so much, um, but the point being is that we just wanted to have a have a conversation today as a reminder of of why we do uh, dive into these things. Um, there are a lot of great podcasts out there. And so the fact that you do choose to listen and tune in and hear what we have to say as it pertains to uh, what's happening in the world, as it lines up with scripture, um, it means a lot that you that you do tune in. We, we hope that we can bring clarity to chaos. Um, and there are some awesome podcasts out there as well that, that do get a way more specific those the people that are doctors people that are scientists that are bringing um extreme clarity to very specific uh domains um as it relates to science and medicine um and psychology 
But we wanted to kind of drip those things in and then bring what we feel like we have uh, an expertise in. Um, and that is, uh, you know, through the scripture and through the, the lens of the Bible and what the Lord has to say about these things as well. Yeah. And, and to, you know, I guess hopefully not in a doesn't we don't sound like we're being defensive, but just a, a you know, here's why we do this. This is not um, uh, I would, would rather talk about a hundred different things than this. But the fact is, is these are questions that everyone is asking. Um, these they're questions that the Bible speaks so clearly on. And the role of a pastor being, you know, a watchman, being courageous, being an illuminator, like all those roles are what we are hoping that we can bring to you and that we do it with, uh, with integrity and we do it hopefully with humility. Um, and that ultimately, uh, now that we know, we don't have to sit around and wring our hands, uh, but we actually can move forward that this is, you know, I, I actually am genuinely shocked that we're almost two years in and, uh, and we're still having to answer and talk about these things, but, but here we are. Uh, and we are not going to let it, we will not let it slow down the gospel of, uh, the, the mission that he has called us to, you know, we've, I hope we set twice as many, uh, slaves free this year. Right. Hope we plant twice as many churches this year because, uh, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, of a sound mind, of discipline, self-discipline. We, uh, we're not cowering back. We're, we're moving forward, not as a you know, stick it to the man uh, as far as the, the government goes, but a stick it to the enemies, to the real Absolutely. enemy, to, to Satan himself. To go on the offense, um, there is another syndrome that's out there a little bit too. It's called ostrich syndrome. <laughs> it's, it's kind of in jest. But those that just stick their head in the sand, um, we're not going to do that. No. Um, and so we are being uh, offensive in the, in the term of uh, being uh, on the offense and getting work done. There's a sense of urgency. And so we're, we're about that kind of work. Thanks for joining us today. Um, if you want to uh, learn more about what's happening at Conduit, obviously visit our website. And uh, you can check the teaching from last Sunday, Romans chapter 9, on our YouTube channel. We'll be finishing up Romans chapter 9 this Sunday as we continue our sermon series, What's True About You. And uh, again, we are just so thankful that you tune, that you choose to, to tune in each and every week. And we'll be back next week.